Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Lethal Podcast. This episode is more of a swap cast. I recorded with Garrett Weaver of the On Point Podcast and Wesley Smith, who you may know from his time with Born and Raised Outdoors. We covered common tuning questions surrounding broadheads, the importance of good arrow flight, and a few other topics that come around this time of year. Uh, hunting season is rapidly approaching. So if you don't have your broadheads out and you've been shooting them already, get on it. And hopefully this podcast will help you out if you're struggling. Um, we also will have a follow-up episode coming in a few days. We're going to record another one. And if you have any more questions, uh, head on over to Garrett's Instagram, which is on point with Garrett Weaver. Or the Lethal Podcast Instagram, I'm going to post a video up. And you guys can post questions below. And we're also going to do live call-ins, I believe. Um, so just keep an eye out for that. We'll post a time or we'll get with you and figure out a time when we're going to record. And we'll give you a call and you can ask your question on the air. Um, as always, a little housekeeping. We are fueled by Hunter's Blend Coffee. So head on over to huntersblendcoffee.com and enter the code ABF. And 10% of your purchase will go to the ABF directly. That is the Ashby Bowhunting Foundation. Uh, it's an easy way to donate, and you get some great coffee out of it. Uh, well, let's get to it. So, all right, fellas, well, let's go ahead and get this thing rolling. So, uh, this is the busiest time of year for me personally with questions and, and, and requests and stuff like that. So, this could not have come at a better time for me. And I know I'll be going through my own tuning process here as soon as my arrows arrive. And um, being able to just to bounce stuff off of you guys. Yeah, actually, I got my Arnold Palmer <laughs> in the uh, in the other room. I probably should grab that. But um, it's Sorry, just, did I interrupt you there, Garrett? No, you're good, man. You're making me thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> is that an IPA? What do you got? Oh, man, this is a bush latte. You know how I roll? <laughs> bush latte. <laughs> Oh, you fancy girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> but uh yeah, so let's go ahead and dive into this. So Wes, you've been you've already been tuning in. Have you done the arrows or just bow build tunes or what do you what do you got going on? Yeah, so unfortunately I don't have access to a press and you know, all of those things. A hooter shooter like I did when I was at BRO and all those things. So as far as me tuning a bow, um, I haven't actually been tuning any bows. Um, pretty much what I've done is I've taken all the bows down to the bow rack and got them all tuned. There's like four, I think there's five bows just recently in the last couple months that I've been, had my hands on, took them down there, got them tuned up. And um, really, you know, with my cousins and uncles and dads and everything, I'm just doing their bows. So basically, you know, they were just all just hand me their bows and say, find what's going to work best. And, you know, after I figure out, you know, how they're going to shoot, I have them shoot through paper and all that. You want me to dive down on this, on this whole process right now, right? Yeah, go ahead and go, go through your process. And then um, I know Garrett and I are very similar on our, on our tuning um, solving issues as well. So okay. we have pretty much identical philosophies there. So, yeah, just go okay. ahead and give me yours because I haven't. I don't think I actually know yours. Yeah. So, as far as the bow tuning goes, um, I mean, just double checking that the cams are timed and that you know, I personally think that if a cam is leaning one way or the other, I 
I try and fix that for me. It just, it feels weird, looks weird. And for me, it's a mental thing when I know, oh, my cam is leaning a quarter inch off one way, but the tech says, but it shoots through paper great. I'm like, <laughs> well, that's fine and dandy, but can I get it to shoot through paper with the, you know, the cam standing, you know, perpendicular to the risers anyway, or the, the limbs. Anyways, the, what I've really gotten into recently is um, just the arrow setup and how I'm building arrows. And I think that a lot of people specifically at this time of year are shooting broadheads. And if they're not, then they should be. But I think really what a lot of people come down to is they just, they get their minds wrapped up in a whole lot of unnecessary tuning stuff. I think they type in Levi Morgan tuning video and they think, oh my gosh, I don't knock index. Oh my gosh, I don't do this, that, or the other. And I think they, they honestly need to get out of their own head. And they also need to realize that they're not freaking Levi Morgan. Um, Especially the guys that, you know, pick their bow up now and they have had it in their case since yeah. last season. Well, my, my uncle, he <laughs> does that exact same thing. He gets his bow out two weeks before season and he goes, well, it shouldn't have changed. Right. I didn't touch <laughs> it. And I go, would you start your car up? a year after it last ran, you know, and like drive it across the mountains. No. So, I mean, I don't know for me, all these arrows that I've done recently, I, well, I first off, I bought two dozen for everyone's bows and pretty much I found out everyone's lengths that, you know, I cut everything long and then we tune, you know, we shoot through paper and see how things react. And then we we're going to cut them shorter, you know, after that. So there's a lot of people that, I don't know how they cut their arrows, but what I do is I look at the arrow, I roll it, and whichever is the worst side, I cut that end off. Correct. After I do that, after I do that with all the arrows, then I set the arrow, the shaft, the shaft. I mean, I set the shaft back on the rollers. I see which is the straightest side. Whichever the straightest side is, that gets the components for my head, or you know, that's all that I've done. And I think that people can like, I think. I've seen some people that cut like two and three quarters off this end and like a little bit off this end. And I just, man, to me, this guy, <laughs> maybe, I've done that. I mean, man, to me, I, I can't shoot that good. I mean, I, I can't shoot. I don't know. I just think there's a lot of simple things that people can do with tuning their arrows to their bow, you know, rather than go, just total mind screwing themselves. I really do. I think that, you know, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Really, right. I do. Right. Well, I, um, I'll tell you this right now that um, the the busier I get and the longer I bow hunt, the less of that crap I do. I mean, straight up. I mean, I just, I don't see it making that big of a difference um, for me personally. Now, spinning and cutting the wobbly end out of your arrow, that, yeah, 100%. I do that every yeah. time. That's good that's just good practice i mean i don't know For sure. um I'll, if i have two crap ends and i'm trying to yeah i'll cut both ends of it off but um most of the time i'll just try and find like you said the worst end and then components do get you know i'll i i honestly try and keep my labels the same so knock goes in the back of the oh you're one of those guys i'm one of those guys i can't, <laughs> I can't be shooting ba an arrow rabbit ears backwards you know so that's just that's just ocd kind of stuff so 
I'll make it work the best I can that way. But I mean, I'm shooting, I was shooting a broadheads. Um, I, I smoked my Reinhardt the other day, two inches above the bullseye, 85 yards with, um, with, with an arrow that I hadn't even knock tuned yet. Or actually I did, um, I used my spine ram checker and probably got a little lucky cause I didn't actually spine index it or anything, but, um, that was an 85 yard freaking poke out of the gate. I shot at 30 and then I took it out to 85 and there wasn't a huge process. There wasn't a huge thing. And maybe there is a, a thing like you're saying, Wes, where we just need to kind of simplify it. Cause there's so many rabbit holes that I know I've gone down for, for tuning guys are like, Oh shit. Like, what do I do? Like, it's kind of overwhelming, but if you kind of take the approach that you got and just simplify it, we can help even well, anybody can do that. I mean, but you start in knock indexing takes a lot of freaking time. And that's why I'm yeah. trying to get out of knock indexing. That's why I bought that Ram spinner. So, which I still think I'm going to have to knock index, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what do what do you guys think? Uh, I mean, I think the longer I go as far as like, you know, I've been working on bows since I was 10. So that's shit almost 20 years now, but the longer I go, I think I do a lot of things without even thinking about them now. Like I just have a specific process I follow when I build arrows and that's just what I do with all of them. Like whether it's mine or somebody else's or whatever, but when I like when I shoot somebody's bow to check arrow flight or whatever, I can pick up the arrow. Like if I'll shoot even shooting 20 yards or whatever, I can see a little flutter in an arrow and like, you know, the, the person whose bow it is, they might not be able to see that, but I can either stand behind them while they're shooting just right. to make sure that it's not a difference between them and me or whatever. But usually like, I don't know, I, if I have to work on enough bows, like I do, I dumb it down a lot but then I'll chase down, you know, I'll go down some of those rabbit holes with my own stuff, but that's just cause I'm super picky. And if I'm not confident right. in it, then I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not going to have a good time cause I'll be in my head out in the field because I'll, you know, if I cut a corner or something, I know that I know it's not right. But if I yeah. give, you know, if I'm working on somebody else's bow, I don't cut corners, but they also like, they wouldn't know if I did, but I just try to make sure everything flies, you know, everything's flying as best as it can especially for, yeah. you know, somebody that maybe doesn't have the best form or whatever, like, you know, for me, like the bow might not be tuned, but you have to tune the bow to the shooter sometimes too. So right. you have to take for that sure. into account. Well, a hundred percent. Austin, um, I, I took my bow to Austin one time. This was back when I was using the RX one and, uh, I could not get a bullet hole. I could, we couldn't tune me a bullet hole. Couldn't do it. And then, so he takes my bow, boom, bullet hole. I'm like, yeah, do that again. And then, so I watched him and <laughs> he was putting, um, his wrist, he was wearing a wrist rocket and mm. he had a lot of downward pressure on the wrist. Mm. Boom. Another bullet hole. I'm like, give me my bow back. <laughs> and then I did different. that same thing. I just, ping, and I just cranked down on it. I'm like, yeah, I can get a bullet hole if I go like, like put my wrist down into my release. Yeah, I can right. do that. But um, we, right. we eventually got it shooting, but I mean, it, it's just, that's the way he shoots. That's the way I, I, I don't shoot that way. So a hundred percent, you got to tune it to the shooter. I mean, within reason, I mean, tuning it to a shooters, you're going to have it close, right? Yeah. If, but if somebody's taking... like, if somebody has a huge, like if they yank real bad or something, like I'll try to fix the shooter too. Sometimes right. like be like, Hey, like we got to work on some fundamentals first so I can actually figure out what I need to do to your bow. So it'll shoot straight for you, but it's not all the time, but sometimes, you know, you're like, damn, man, like we got, 
we got some things to fix before we try to at attack whatever's going on tuning wise. Right. Well, that just takes you back into what Wes was just talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, it it really does. And I mean, I guess at the end of the day, when you are tuning your bow, whoever's listening to this, it really just comes down to what you want and what your capabilities are. I mean, it, it really does. I mean, if you're my uncle, you're not going to shoot. He's not going to shoot past 45 yards. Okay. Right. And, and you don't need to worry about some things. If, if it's me, I want to be able to dial out to eight. That's just my limit. It's just where I've been shooting. I actually don't normally want to be able to shoot that far, but I don't, for some reason this year I hit the sweet spot on all my arrow stuff. So I'm, I'm just shooting really well and that's just where I'm at. So it, I guess everything really just comes down to what exactly every person wants and everyone wants the different things. And so I don't know. That's pretty yeah, much I, just my, a lot of guys put like a ton of time into bear shaft tuning or, you know, and I, like I do too, like I do bear shaft tune my stuff, Same but here that's my stuff. And like, you know, a lot of guys, especially like whitetail guys, I'm from Ohio originally. So a lot of whitetail guys have gone down this, like, I mean, you could say, you know, better arrow build rabbit hole or whatever, but they, you know, they focus so much on getting a bear shaft perfect, but if they could just tune their bow, so their field points and broadheads are hitting effectively the same, like, you know, the biggest thing I hear is, Oh, well, they'll never, a fixed blade will never fly the same like the it won't be exactly the same it's like well no but they'll hit in the same place and that like if you can see good arrow flight that's what you're after yeah but like if you're only shooting 35 40 yards you don't need to have a bear shaft that's shooting 30 yards because you're gonna have a fletched arrow like it's it's gonna be fine as long as you're getting clean flight with your broadheads it's like there's not much to worry about so sure. Wes had a had a point with um when you're when you're shooting with point weight versus um accuracy. And was that bear shaft you were you mentioned? Um Wes, where were you going with that one? Uh this is on Instagram. What did I say? So uh <laughs> I'm sure I said something. I mean, I'm sure I said something. I, I think you said something like it was like you know FOC percentage for broadhead flight, which I think I I think that's what you said. Yeah, FOC per percentages in correlation with broadhead. You actually put a lot into this post here. You actually put some thought <laughs> into it. So the myth of single bevels causing arrows to shoot to the right. I don't know anyone who shoots good enough to tell that difference. I've yeah, never even I, I didn't I, even I, know I, that was a myth. I didn't know that was a myth either. I, I, <laughs> Well, if you were at E.E. E. Wilson with me last Thursday, you would have heard that myth come out of someone's mouth. So oh, where was okay. this? I was like, <laughs> oh, just the archery, the local archery range. I was oh. out there shooting and and this guy was shooting kudus, which I shot kudus for a while. And they flew fine for me, um, you know, when I had everything tuned. But he said it, you know, at 50 yards, his he, the kudus were pulling him four inches to the right. And I was like, man. Sounds like a tuning error to me. I <laughs> You should have said, hey. give me your bow. I'll fix that for you. You got an alley? Uh, yeah. I was like, hey, I just I just let them have it. I, I mean, I'm not trying to tell anybody they're doing anything wrong or anything, but I was just like, man, I I never heard of a single bevel. I've never heard of that. No, and I, mean, I, but, I definitely used to hear that they'd plane a lot, but like then – you yeah, start, like then you know you're like, well, it's not tuned. Like something's not tuned right. You know, I've heard right. that. <laughs> I've heard that they will unscrew themselves in the air. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I've never had that happen, but um, 
Yeah. I never had that happen either. Dude, I will tell you the rain I, I had a I had a doozy the other day. So I was shooting down at Myrtle Creek with Shelby and this guy is just going off about his old Bowtech being way more K E than any of the other bows. It was just that bow had whatever it was, it just had that much more K E and there's never been a bow that's been built after that bow that's ever had that much K E and and um I told him I had a good elk tag this year that farther in the conversation. I just nodded my head and kept shooting. Um and he, I told him, I'm like, man, I just really want to shoot a 300-inch bow. And he's like, I really, I really respect that. You know, good for you. I'm like, thanks. I'm like, he's like, someone, you know, it's not about the rack. And for someone to shoot a small bull on a good tag like that, I'm like, what? I'm like, what? And he, oh, my God. I, I almost feel like I was being catfished, you know. Like, I almost feel like he was trying to get me on that. And, and um, he had plenty, plenty of stories, man, but. The range talk that you hear, especially this time of year, is strong. It's a, it is strong out there. <laughs> I, I mean, so, I shoot I shoot heavy arrows, and I get that a lot. Like you know, guys standing beside me shooting, they're like, "Man, your bow's quiet." But my arrows aren't that heavy. They're like five fifty, five sixty. Okay. They're not that heavy to me. But like that's my you know that's where I get the speed that I like. I like to be two seventy five, two eighty, or whatever um, at or two sixty at the lowest, and that's where I'm at. But, you know, guys will be like, well, how heavy is your arrow? And I'm like, 550. And then they're, you know, saucer eyes. I'm like, well, <laughs> that's, I don't know. That's normal for me. I'm hunting elk. They're big. Right. Why? So you still there? Yeah, I'm sorry. I was looking for some <laughs> data on my arrows and bow setup. And so I had to <laughs> okay. get out of there. Copy. Sorry, that's my bad. Copy. Well, um, my my setup last year was 535 at 261 and that was for me that's heavy for me yeah. i mean i'm a 28 inch draw guy i like to shoot that 280 somewhere in there well, i go for i mean i build my arrows for you know to hit a speed bracket like yeah. 260 is my bottom of the barrel that's as low, that's as slow as i want to be and then you know up to 290 if i can get my broadheads to cooperate but you'd start getting above that speed wise and like I don't know, I they just start to get a little wonky sometimes, and I don't like it. You said you said your arrow was five ninety. Uh, no, they're five fifty or five sixty. I think I just switched arrows the other day, which is probably not smart. But <laughs> <laughs> so five fifty shooting two seventy. Yeah, that's that's not is that eighty pounds? No, I have so my eighty pound bow is six twenty five at two seventy five. Wow. And my, I think my, my realm X, my 70 pound one is, I think it's probably like 262 with 560. I think I haven't shot it through the chrono yet, but it's right around there. Yeah. Cool. But 29 and a half inch draw. So I can get away with certain things. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Right. That's cool. Well, with, with bear shaft tuning and stuff and, and, and there's been a lot of traction getting with high FOC stuff lately. Um, Garrett, with, with your bear shaft tuning and stuff like that, how much does point weight for you come into effect of getting a bear shaft or a broadhead to fly? I mean, what – and this kind of goes along with, with um, Wes's question. You know, where are you gaining at? Where are you picking up that accuracy with a higher FOC setup? And then follow-up question, what do you consider a higher FOC follow, uh, setup? Um, so, I mean, point weight, like I said, I – I build my arrows to whatever weight I can get to a speed. Like I like to be 500 plus, but uh, as far as FOC goes, like if I can get it to spine and tune, like that's where, 
that's where it sits. Like I don't really care. Like anywhere between, I think anywhere between my errors are usually 15 to I've had up to 23%. Hmm. and like the so the more foc i get normally the less vein i need to control whatever broadhead i want to shoot and i like i'll shoot i shoot the the short jags of valkyrie short jags so those are sweet they're a little they're a little bit bigger as far as like you know surface area so i've found with more foc i need less vein like i can shoot a three fletch with those if i have you know 18% FOC or whatever, but if I drop down to that 15%, I'll probably need more more vein, so I'll usually shoot a four-fletch with it, but it just depends. And what are you finding there, Wes? Fighting or finding? Finding. What oh, are you finding with um, your arrows? Man, today, this year, not today, this year I found the complete opposite of what I normally find. I don't know if it's because it's a different brand of bow. I don't know if it's because my shooting form's better. I don't know what it is, but I'm able to shoot a little bit lesser of a spine or a spine, you know, drop in category or whatever it is and get away with it. And so I personally am not a huge weight guy and I'm not a huge FOC guy. What I know is my redneck read. I need a decently <laughs> heavy arrow to be going fast downrange and hit accurately at whatever I'm shooting at. So that's for me what I'm looking for. I'm looking for to shoot in the 270 to 280 range. I don't want to get below that and I really don't want to get above that because I'm not a tuning expert to be honest with my bow and arrows. I'm I've got just enough knowledge to make some really sharp things fly accurately for my, for me. That's and fair. so what I, what I've found is that I actually shot. So actually this year I shot a whole bunch of different arrows at a whole bunch of different spines. I shot Valkyries day six, Easton gold tip, um, black Eagles. And I shot like multiple fletching configurations and everything for some reason Every arrow manufacturer, or out of all of the arrows that I shot, everyone's 400s and 350s shot best for me, which I would have automatically assumed that I'm a 300 spine and I need about 150 to 200 point weight, you know, to, to break everything down for my arrow to shoot well. That's not what I came up with. And actually, I made a post on this on Instagram and some people were like, <laughs> I mean, I would have thought it too if someone was posting this. Shoot, they're shooting a 400 spine out of a 29 inch bow at 70 pounds. No way! Like that's not that is not tuning. I I don't know what it is. I'm shooting the best groups I've ever shot. Literally this year, I feel I'm literally so jacked to go hunting. But with broadheads or without broadheads? That's with broadheads and without broadheads. Okay, that's impressive then. Yeah, for me the litmus test is broadhead accuracy, starting at about. 40 yards is for me where I've seen the wheels start to fall off for underspined arrows. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. No, I completely believe me. (laughs) I'm I'm shaking my head. I don't, I don't quite (laughs) understand it, but nonetheless, it's what my bow is shooting good. So, um, I shot, uh, some 400 FMJs, some 400 day six and some 400 gold tips. I don't know which model of them were, but, I got really good flight and everything out of those spines. So then I, once I figured out what, 
spine was shooting best for me. I ordered some day six and I just built them like I would a normal arrow. And, and I was actually worried for some reason, even though I had all the evidence in front of me, if this is what I needed to shoot, I was worried about flight. So I put four fletchings on it. Now, is that going to really help me at all or anything? I don't know what the extra fletching, but in my head, it makes sense because I'm a redneck. So, <laughs> uh, helical, um, no helical. Just two degree, two that's, degree. That's what right. I'm going with this year. <laughs> yeah, three just, fletch, but just two degree. Just, I'm I'm running a four four fletch, just small blazers, and that's. I mean, it's nothing fancy. It's not some cool deal, but it's just. I don't know, and so it made me it made me really think hard about if I've been missing some things um, in the previous years, which maybe I have, maybe I haven't. Um, but I personally, just because of this year, am now going to forget all the information I'm hearing from every Tom, Dick, and Harry online. I'm going to spend a week with my bow, and I'm going to figure out what that baby likes. That's pretty much what I'm going to do. And I – I'm going to figure out what's grouping the best at long range, short range, everything in between. And I'm going to throw broadheads on there. I'm going to find the the widest broadhead that I can <laughs> to get some terrible flight. And I'm going to see which arrow shoots the best with the terrible broadhead on. I'm not going to lie. That's how I did it this year. I think if a lot more people did that, they would be a lot happier as far as like how their bow shoots, because you know, yeah. same thing. I mean, I generally shoot, either a 300 or 250 spine just because you know 29 and a half inch draw and i haven't like when i bear shaft tune stuff i just you know i'll get a lot of knock high stuff if i'm under spined and i don't want to fight it um my form is good enough that i can really like it doesn't bother me to shoot too stiff that's where like some people will get caught in the mix is just that like their form is a little off or their shot execution is a little off and that stiffer spined arrow is going to be less forgiving out of the right. bow so it's, I mean, if you've got the, that's where like bear shaft tuning is not for everyone either. It's just like, if you can't, yeah. if you're getting, you know, inconsistent every time, or if you're getting consistent bear shafts, but it never flies true, like it's probably you. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty fair. And, um, I'm going to just start reading questions off here, guys, from guys that commented that wanted to talk about us to talk about certain things. Um, feel free to fill this one if you want it. At what point do you stop tuning? I find I found myself chasing perfection and end up going backwards. And that kind of was where Wes was just talking about. Yeah, you definitely got to know when to stop yeah. chasing your tail, I think. I, I do that a lot. Like, not a lot, but I change stuff so often that if it's not as perfect as what it was, and it's like, if it's what I want in my head, I'll mess with it until it does shoot like the other thing that was shooting perfect that I didn't need to change. Right. I think for me I, personally, or go, go ahead, Wes. Well, I, I think for me, it's, it's back to like what they want out of it and their yeah. capabilities. Because to me, it's like, you're not Stefan Hansen shooting at 20 meters or 20 yards or whatever. And you're not hitting one spot. Like a lot of those guys, they got to realize that they're tuning their arrow to hit one spot at one distance, yep. you know, not and specifically, you know, the indoor stuff. Yeah. And their arrows are going to be completely different than what even those guys shoot in field stuff. So, yep. I mean, 
you really got to compare your apples to everyone else's apples if you're going to be comparing it all. Like, that's just my deal. So, uh, I don't know. To, to answer that question, pretty much I'm going to double double check my walk back tune with my broadheads from 20 to 50 or from – actually, I started at five feet, but from five feet to 50 yards. And as long as I'm, you know, within my minute of angle, if you call it that – I'm done and I'm going to be able to hit vitals. That's pretty much what I, it comes down to for me, but I'm not trying to shoot a Copenhagen can at 82 yards with, you know, a fixed blade. So hey. that's just... <laughs> shots. I mean, is that a, is that a shot at me over there? <laughs> <laughs> no, I do, I do no, that. Uh, not with, not with, not, I do that with fill points. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'd say I, it, I've like... been able to do that. I've been able to do that with field points this year for the first time and I'm jacked about it, but yeah, yeah. no, I think guys should know, like, like you said, like learn learn their own abilities, and then be able to mm -hmm. like if you're if you're both shooting consistently all the time, just leave it, leave it alone. Yeah. So take take it from a guy that doesn't know when to leave things alone. Just leave it alone. <laughs> well, to me, yeah. I I stop when I when I get the accuracy I desire, which is I want filled point consistency and accuracy out of my setup, and if I'm getting to the point where I can't notice a difference outside of my abilities that's when i stop if i know yep. that they're not going behind the pin i keep going but when they're start when i say that when they're hitting where i'm aiming behind the pin that's what that means for guys that may not know um that's when i that's when i stop and if they're not hitting there then then you got room for improvement and, and if you're trying to shoot above your ability then maybe you need to work on your ability because um you know, I don't. I don't know what else you'd be looking for, really. Honestly, you're, you're wanting your broadheads to shoot better than your fill points. I mean, yeah, that doesn't really make that. sense. <laughs> That'd be <Yeah>. fantastic. <laughs> yeah. But and so, uh, so with with the bear shaft tuning, um, are you doing that at all this year, Wes? Or are you just going straight to French tuning or, or AKA walk back tuning? I I wouldn't say I tuned them. I I had a bunch of bear shafts and a bunch of different spines and I figured out which ones were pretty much just perpendicular to the target and not leaning left to the right. So, you know, that was weaker, weaker, strong. I pretty much, that was my tuning. I said, oh, okay, well, that one, that one looks good to me. And you know, getting clean, getting clean of, flight. Yeah. I'm getting clean flight on all of the arrows that are in this general weight and in this general spine with this general FOC. Okay. Got it. And then I didn't bear shaft tune after that. I just, you know, bought my arrows according to what that bear, all different brands of, of bear shafts was telling me. And so, and that's pretty much how I got to where I'm at as far as this year. So with, with bear shaft tuning, one thing I see guys do is hang their hat on one arrow. And I, I personally, and, and when I say that, that they hang their hat on one arrow, they'll shoot through paper with one arrow and then they'll fletch the rest of their arrows thinking, okay, I'm tuned. I'm good to go. And they'll just kind of skip that. And then maybe they'll take that one arrow and then they'll shoot 30 yards, uh, a fletched, and then they'll shoot their bear shaft next to that one. Right. And then that's where they start getting some discrepancies because wait, what's going on here? Uh, me personally, I, I bear shaft tune. I, I knock, knock tune every single arrow. Um, uh, my own personal arrows. Will I do this to somebody else's? No, I, I just don't have that much time. I just don't. Um, if I was going to do what Wes was doing for other people, I would definitely shorten my process like for right. sure. I wouldn't be, no. Um, but, 
I, where I want to go is, and Garrett, you, you can take the ball from here, but you and I are very similar in this in this area, and uh, this is from J.W. Dunn. Um, he said, make sure you go into the woods about m- how moving your rest isn't tuning, uh, rapid ears tuning your bow. I'd go into the woods about yoke, shim, and top hat tuning. Also talk about aligning the power stroke of the string. I guess finally talk about how just because the guy at your local archery shop can shoot a bullet hole doesn't mean it's tuned enough to you. You have to be consistent enough with your bow and basically good enough to tune your own bow. Well, we've already hit half that. Um, And when I'm getting guys that are coming to me saying I'm having a tuning issue, here's what it's doing. And you can break it up into three major areas and just really start knocking, knocking shit out. It's either you, it's the bow or it's the arrow. Which one is it? Right. And, um, and Garrett, I, I know you and I say the same thing here. Yoke tuning, shimming, top hat adjustments. That's major surgery. That's, that's major tuning. Yep. Moving your rest is like having a microsurgery. It's just, it's just, it's not a f- bandaid. It, it's kind of a bandaid. I mean, really, what it is, it's, it's, it's just finishing off. It's the last stroke of of the, brush. the vaccine. That ain't a surgery. Yeah. <laughs> so, you want you take it from there, Garrett, and and kind of go into, uh, you know, you can move your rest, and and probably, I'm not negative or, or positive on this one. The one that moves people the wrong way on this one in a lot of scenarios is John Dudley's video of how to get your broadheads and your, and I have a very similar video, but it's more in depth because there's two videos prior to that one, two precursors to it. But he has a video where he has a broadhead hitting here, broadhead hitting here, left and right, parallel to each other. And then he moves his rest to where they're both hitting. And I think people think that that's, that's tuned, that's tuning your bow. But right. what they didn't see him do was yoke tune. Yeah. Um, as far as, yeah, for tune, tuning for me starts like the rest starts at factory recommended center shot. And then I'll move it a 16th plus or minus. I don't like to go outside of that. All the mass adjustment, like if you're shooting and you're, you know, let's say your broadheads are shooting four inches left at 20 yards mm-hmm. compared to your field point, like something's clearly off by a good margin and you could technically correct it by moving the rest. And sometimes that's what you have to do. Like if, whatever you have to do to get clean flight, right. if you don't have access to certain tools, then do that because aeroflight is number one. Like you, if it's not flying well, it doesn't like, it's not going to perform well. Um, but if you have access to it or you have a knowledgeable person to help you do it, uh, mass adjustments as far as they should come from yokes or shims or, whatever you have top hats um in my opinion um i know you're the same way uh if it's way out like you if, if you have to set your rest to you know 15 sixteenths to an inch off a of center then there's something wrong within the right. bow itself like the power stroke is not aligned and expand on power stroke not being aligned here in the and, okay and you so can, you can basically <clears throat> tie that into the yoke and, and shimming rope. yeah so your power stroke is the um, this where the string sits. Center you want it to be center of the bow or within you know sixteenth of an inch of what the factory recommends a center shot. Um, for me, you can go an eighth, but I don't like to. Um, so when you adjust with shims and yokes, it actually moves that string track left or right. And that's what you're after when we say adjust the power stroke. 
instead of moving the rest, which you're moving your rest to be more in line with the power stroke of the bow, but you can move the power stroke itself and then stay quote unquote within spec. And they design these bows are machines. So they're designed to be a certain way. And if things are not that way, then they don't perform to their best abilities. Um, so that's why I don't like to move the rest super far. Right. I, I put it this way. There's a post post the other day, uh, the other day where a guy had his red or his sight just hammered all the way out bottom. You no, know, he's bottoming out his sight, just trying to sight in 20. I'm like, from my experience, if you're bottoming out your shit, something is out of whack. You know, yeah. like it's a pretty telltale sign that something's going on. Yep. Um, what if you I don't know all the sub- I don't know all the sublantics you guys know, but that's <laughs> that's messed up. I know I know that. <laughs> well, I want to go over um, Wes. I'll, I'll let you fill this one, man. Single bevelished type heads. So what they're saying is traditional styled heads, where you have a major two blade, right? Uh, blade. So he says in quotations, "Iron will solid viper trick." Blade to vein orientation for best flight. Example, main blade, vertical or horizontal. I will let you take that, sir. Repeat it again. Just do you, two, do you two blades? Orient, um, is your blade orientation matching any configuration on your veins? Do you match no. a three blade to your three veins or anywhere in between for a two blade? No. It's a solid no. <laughs> that is a <laughs> that's a hard no. My broadheads end up wherever they stop screwing in is where they end up. Yep. And I mean, I, I, I mean, <clears throat> listen. <laughs> I I, I want to see I want to see a lot of people's shootings that can that that are gonna say that they they notice uh, like how much. Uh, and if they notice, then I clearly am – I'm just off my rocker and I'm a terrible shot and I don't know what I'm talking about or anything, which very well may be the case. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with wearing that hat, but I just really – I don't know. I For me, for me, there's also – I'm hunting – okay, I'm shooting an arrow to kill an animal. And for me, within my limitations and how I have my arrow set up, I do not need to have a blade in my broadhead matching my fletchings for me to to just accurately shoot my bow downrange with a sharp pointed object on my arrow. That just for me, I mean, that's just me. I mean, you guys are probably better shots than I am. Heck, I, I'm I probably everyone in the world's a better shot than I am for all <laughs> I've I I've seen you but, shoot, you're pretty good. But all I know is is like for me, I, I don't have to do that. I just really don't. I I don't need to. That's just me, though. Well, I can tell you what, what major broadhead manufacturers will tell you, and that is it does not make a difference. <laughs> so even with even with a um, – now, I will say that I do have a dog in the fight on this one. I Three-blade, I will align the veins with the heads because I am OCD, <laughs> and that is just me. Not because there's any flight characteristic benefits or anything, but I just – I need uniformity. <laughs> I need I'll that. Say that. I will, I will that's my say only this. caveat is that I would do it yeah. for OCD purposes, but yes. other yeah. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I I would say that when we're talking about fletchings and broadhead alignment, I don't believe there's any correlation. At least for me, that's just. No. But 
that's just for me. But I will say that having more fletching or longer fletchings per fletching or just the number of fletchings will help steer your broadhead if you're if you have something wacky going on, I will yeah. say that because I definitely believe that. I mean, that's why all the trad guys are using freaking seven inch long feathers. That's probably not seven <laughs> inches, but nonetheless, <laughs> but nonetheless, that's pretty much what's going on. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, go a ahead. bigger fletching, a bigger fletching will be more forgiving. That's really, I mean, there's no way around it. It just will be. Yeah. Or more fletchings. I mean, right. Yeah. The bigger or more. Yeah. Yeah. So would you guys pair a larger fletching to a larger, like, let's just pretend that we're shooting the um, Evo X, the giant Evos that he has. Would you put more fletching on to shoot that, or would you keep your fletching the same? I know depends on what the arrow needs. For, <laughs> yeah, for me, it depends on what the arrow needs. Like, if your broadhead takes over, then, yeah, you need more fletching. Cause, so on Lethal, we've talked about this numerous times but one of the main things for poor broadhead flight is lack of fletching and you know guys get set in their minds like i only want to shoot this one type of fletching like they're only going to shoot the little the little baby tiny blazers or whatever yeah, yeah. just yeah they're going to be they're going to shoot a super low profile vein they're going to only shoot three of them whatever yeah. but if you shoot a big head or any broadhead for that matter could you know there's more surface area you've got wings on the front of your arrow so right. you might need bigger wings on the back so to, uh, and take for, that or go ahead, Wes. For for me, if I was going to shoot the Evo X's, which it's a nice head, I like it. It does well. I've tested it. If I knew I wanted to shoot that, there's a couple things I would do to the arrow. For me, I personally think having a little bit higher FOC correlates with broadhead flight. That was my follow-up question. I am not. <laughs> yep. I am the least <laughs> e-focked guy that you know. I am not e-focked. I just, <laughs> but nonetheless, I do think a little bit of point weight, marginal for me, in between anywhere between ten to sixteen ish percent FOC, at least ten bottom of the barrel is going to help your broadhead flight with. I would say if I was going to shoot that head, I would want somewhere between 12 and 15% FOC just off the top of my head. And I'd probably want to shoot the AAE stealth just because that's probably going to help me. And I'd, I'd four fletch it probably. I mean, it totally depends on how the arrow would, you know, would shoot for me, but that's just off initially, like you saying that that's just what I'd have to say. Well, yep. I, I, I know personally that, um, and I, and I want to get into this and I'm not, um, I kind of want to be devil's advocate here to both of you. So if I am using enough tip weight or enough fletching that I'm covering up a tuning issue, where in lies the problem with that? If I'm shooting fine that way, what's, what's the, what's the problem? If you're getting clean flight, I'd say there's not a problem. Same. Yeah, that's a pretty simple answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I know personally that I, I'm going to go with a 2%, um, and I'm somewhere in there, 2-degree two, two helical uh, this year. I just want that extra little bit of rotation. Brian actually made me some hunting arrows last year from day six, and he put a pretty good helical on those. And I actually did I, – I like the flight. I really did like the flight. 
Um, the arrows that I'm shooting currently are slight offset, and I'm already getting a really good um, flight with those. But I feel like I might even pick up a little bit more if I do a little bit more helical. Where do you guys stand on helical? Do you let the arrow decide, the broadhead decide, or do you have your own preference? I'll let you go ahead and answer. Okay. First. Um, so, like Wes said earlier, I'll pick the biggest, gnarliest head I have and pair my – like, that's how I pick my fletchings usually. Like, if I can get clean flight with that big big head, if I go to something smaller, I don't have to worry. And if I decide to shoot that big one, I also don't have to worry. Mm-hmm. You could – I mean, you can be a little counterproductive if you get too much resistance because, you know, super long shots, you're going to have more drag. But – that's just something you have to know that you're like, you have to know if you're shooting, like I'm not going to shoot the big head far. That's going to be for a close shot or, yeah. you know, whatever it's, it's not going to be for my follow-up shot. I usually have, if I'm shooting my Valkyrie setup, I have the regular Jags and the short Jags and they're both in my quiver. If I need a follow-up shot at 90 yards for whatever reason, if something goes sideways, I shoot the small one. Wes. Yeah. Uh, I pretty much actually have the same thought process as uh, Garrett did there. Um, as far as you're talking about fletchings, right? That's the initial question. If or you're what was using at certain aspects to cover up a tuning issue. So even we can even take this to the arrow rest. If you're moving your arrow rest, you know, three eighths, but your arrows are shooting fine. You're shooting good. You're pounding. Where's the problem? How would you know I, you had a problem would be my follow-up yeah, question. Um, that's, that's, pretty <laughs> much, that's pretty much what I'm saying. I mean, man, if it ain't fixed, don't, you know, if it, <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. If it ain't broke, I mean, I'm not going to fix it. That's just pretty much where it is. But for me, when I'm, when I'm thinking about my arrow, my hunting setup, I want to be just the most forgiving. That's all I want and out of an arrow and everything. I want the most forgiveness because – crap happens yep. everyone that i know that hunts they're like dude you wouldn't believe it i blah 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 blah, and my rest wouldn't pop up or all the little things that are going to happen i promise they're going to happen at some point and so for me i want the most forgiveness that i can possibly get so right off the bat when i just make my arrow i want it as forgiving as possible i want a little bit of weight up front because i think it helps steer the arrow and i want you know, more than just the little tiny vein text. I'm not shooting, you know, 3D targets with Tim Gillingham or Levi. You know, I, I'm just trying to get the best arrow flight in my effective range. It really is that's what it comes down to. So if, if everything's shooting well and it's hitting where I'm going, I'm there's no problem for me. That's just me, though. I've got another one for you, and this will take us into another area here that some of it we've already covered. But my form sucks. Uh, the real larva is the guy's name. Um, that's kind of an interesting name there. Uh, Nick Lound, <laughs> just to look up his real name. Um, my form sucks too much to get consistent paper tear or to get consistent <laughs> tears in paper. So I walk back tune. I had shoot G five Montex and got a set of practice heads and plan on being all sighted in with those before season starts. Does this sound like a sufficient plan? This will be my first year hunting with a bow. I replied, if your form sucks too much for paper tuning, you're not going to fix that with walk back tuning, in my opinion, because you're going to show the same errors in your in your shaft. I mean, you, well, you're going to come I'll, in. I'll all... agree to disagree there. Okay. I'll agree to disagree take with it. you there. Take it, take it with it there. So, 
So, if buddy, if you're listening to this podcast and you ask that question, <laughs> a couple things. There's a couple things, okay? I want you need to go to a pro shop, and you need to go to a pro shop, and you need to, first off, you need to shoot a couple different arrows. Then you need to have a pro top, a pro. Wow, I can't talk. One beer in. Wow, a pro shop. Look at your bow. A lot of times, uh, there's a, something simple that can that can be fixed when you're four feet, four feet from a piece of paper. But as soon as you get out ten yards and twenty yards and thirty yards, and you walk back to him, you're going to be fine. If you're shooting, I mean, okay, so your your arrow isn't shooting exactly perfect at four feet in front of you. Well, you're probably not going to have a bullet four feet in front of you. Even if you did, you'd probably hit it. Hopefully. Um, hopefully <laughs> so i mean well i mean i'm just being realistic i'm just being realistic like right. if, if you can walk back tune and you're gonna hit within a margin of whatever you know a minute of angle and you walk back tune for your first year hunting man you're good you're good to go you have limitations on whatever you want to put on yourself obviously if you're saying your form sucks you're not going in with a ton of confidence but i'd say 20 30 yards and get a broadhead that can shoot at 20 to 30 yards or an arrow set up that can shoot at 20, 30 yards. You can only use one pin for that if you needed to. So that's, that's what I have to say about that. Yeah. I'd, I'd say the same thing. Like just if your form is bad, like let's say you can't group in a pie plate or whatever at 40, then limit your range, like shoot, like stick to it. So you don't have a bad experience. Like I don't want to turn anybody new away ever. Um, Absolutely but you just need to know your own limitations. I think people have a lot of problems with that in general, just cause like, you know, I'll post videos or Garrett, you'll post videos of shooting 80 yards and, you know, we can shoot pretty decent. So we're shooting, you know, four or five, six inch groups at 80, 90 yards. And guys are like, well, I can't do that at 30. It's like, that's okay, man. Just yeah, do yeah. what man, you can do, man. I'll be honest. That guy's listening to your podcast, Garrett. And it's just first year hunting. First off, dude, congrats. Right. Yep. Welcome to the brotherhood of elk hunting, hunting, whatever you want to call it. But what he or I feel like what some people want to do is they want to be in the NBA when they start. Yep. Like, like, dude, you got to learn how to jump, stop, pivot and pass the ball before you 360 windmill over somebody. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm, like that's Michael Jordan got cut from process. his high school team. So I mean, <laughs> right. everybody <Yeah>. starts somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But so, I, that's... I, uh, I agree with both of you, but where I'm coming from is in, I, I love discrepancies. I, I love different perspectives here where I'm coming from is if you can't shoot consistently. And when I said, when he says form, I include, and I put this in the post here, when I say form, I including shot execution and grip on the bow. If none of that's consistent, you're not going to group worth a shit. And so what does yeah. back tuning do for anybody if you can't even hit the side of a line that you're aiming at? Or, yeah. or I mean, line, yeah, right? from, a yeah. from a tuning aspect, it's, it is very difficult to tune somebody that doesn't have a consistent shot execution. 100%. So I agree there. Um, I mean, you know, even going to the pro shop and like just having one of the techs or something, if, if they've got the time, like right now is really not a good time to do it. But if they've got, <laughs> if they've got the time to take a half hour and just help you with your form and shot execution, that can do any, like that can do way more for you in the long run, give you something to focus on, especially if you're new. 
than trying to walk back tune and fix an error that you know that you have when like you can just you know focus on the root issue don't focus on the other effects also if i was him and and if i was him and i couldn't get into a pro shop i'd go down to the local archery range every evening after work i would shoot my bow number one and just get comfortable with it number two I would pick the person who is shooting the best groups at the longest range that he's there at. And I would say, Hey man, this is my first year of hunting and I'm having some issues doing this. And I really want to get better. Is there any tips or advice or would you mind looking at my shot sequence here and, and, and talk to them? I guarantee you, if, if you go to somebody with that attitude and someone that knows what they're doing, they're going to be willing to help you out and take, 10 minutes out of their range time and just give you a couple pointers like yeah i don't i don't know anybody that i mean at least everybody that i've met in archery like i don't know anybody that would turn that person away 100 percent for sure yeah i know that even when i go to the range and i'm make i'm working on something or something just doesn't feel right i'm not getting something a, a, a result that i'm looking for and i have a buddy i'm like hey can you watch my elbow is it doing something funky when i'm coming back or uh, you know, watch my hand as I release. Am I doing something that I'm not even, because a lot of this is subconscious. You're not even knowing that you're doing a lot of this stuff. Yep. I was talking to a guy today who was shooting high past 70 yards and, you know, is it his sight tape? Is it his arrow? Is it, you know, him? And he was shooting a light arrow, um, shooting a slider sight. I'm like, you know, a lot of guys like to creep out of their sight. Yep. Uh, yeah, probably a peep. Check that, man. You know, check. Yep. Yeah, basically check, check yourself. Probably your peep. Yeah. And so, through and I only know that because I've done all this shit, right? Yeah, uh, we we've all. I think Wes uses a slider site too. I mean, we all. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um. So I want to go over, and this is one for Garrett. Uh, I think, and Wes, you could chime in if you want, but I think that uh, Ben Cooper ninety one. I think that time uh, cam timing is something that needs to be covered. The only issue I've had with broadhead tuning was because of the cam timing being off. Knowing how to fix that would be super helpful for a lot of people. I think. Well, that probably also depends on um, your cables on on what kind of bow you're yeah. shooting as well. But Garrett, since you've been you've you've been tuning bows a long time, you want to handle that one. So I guess I would give you a scenario. If my top cam um, is slow, what kind of tear would that usually pr- uh, bring out in, in in a paper tear, or um, would there be a paper tear that would show with a certain kind of time uh cam missed timing i guess i think it would present as knock high i don't ever i don't i always so (laughs) i've been doing this for a long time but i never like that part of my brain doesn't commit it to memory i'm just like oh it's slow i need to fix i just fix what's slow you know what i mean right 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 well Um, i i know personally like the the feeling if you're getting a weird feeling like for me um i'm chris and i were talking about this and he's in my my top my top is like a 16th slow mm-hmm. and it gives me a little bit more of a relaxed hold. But if the bottom was a little slow, it would be a little bit more aggressive, at least for the bow that I'm shooting. I'm not a super duper cam tuning guy. So right. I'm, I'm, I'm going off of Chris's here. And I, I can say that from my personal experience that I know that um, if the cams are off, especially way off, um, and I believe it is the bottom cam, um, that you are going to get a more aggressive feel to that bow and it's going to jerk you off the, off the back wall. But, yeah. um, 
Wes, where are you sitting on that? Repeat the question. Uh, just as far as the the tune, the the cam timing. Yeah, have you had any issues with cam timing, and, and what kind of issues, if you have, did did those bring up in your tuning process? Well, I mean, for me, cam the cam timing is the very first thing you should probably be doing. Yep. For me, I, I, that's just. I mean, before I even shoot my bow, I go have it the basics tuned i gotta make sure that my cam tune you know my cam timing is tuned um the you said it's called the power stroke i don't know all the terminology yeah so the, i want to make yeah. sure yeah i want to yeah. make sure everything's aligned as as where it should be and right. so i actually don't ever i've never had a problem of a cam shooting slow or or fast I've, i never have because i just make sure they freaking touch the same thing at the same time and but what i have done in the past is i have i have set a knocking point too high or too low which essentially is the same thing yep could be and then you have all then then you really chase your tail trying to get the damn thing to shoot right you're like what did i do wrong it's all timed it's all synced you're like what in the hell no yeah. kidding. Try being me and, and realize that. <laughs> basically, like talking about twice as long as it would have taken you guys. Well, yeah. Basically, we're talking pretty much about vertical knock travel. Is that, I mean, that's pretty yeah. much what we're beating around that bush right now. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, yeah. And, and if, I know a lot of something that a lot of guys, if they are setting up their own bow for the first time, something that I've seen a ton is where they set the arrow in relation to that burger hole. Yeah. Every, every bow I set up, it's bottom of the shaft through at least the center, if not the upper third of that burger hole. But you'll see guys run it along the bottom of it, like the bottom of the burger hole. And then usually that means your knock point's too low and you're going to start chasing your tail a little bit. Sometimes it works out, but that's just where I set everything up. Usually, like, I know, I, they used to have them on PSEs. I don't know if they do anymore, but there's a line or there was a line on the PSEs so you could set it in the right spot. Um, Hoyts are difficult because they have the stupid rubber pad on the riser so you have to you know either peel that down to look at the burger hole or whatever but right can you not look at it from the back side you can but i guess oh, it depends. But there's if that have, little plastic well, piece over it yeah and if you have a rest on it like yeah you can see it but you can't exactly tell like especially depending on the size of that rest bolt too you can't necessarily see exactly where it's at yeah. but you, can, you can eyeball it for the most part that, that's one I thing act- that, I've, that i've been really I don't know. It's it's just eyeballing it just to get it close. I set up a couple um, when I was doing bow reviews. Um, I took two of the Bowtex out of the package, and uh, I I just basically eyeballed it and then put a level on it real quick and then made like one tiny little adjustment and then took it in the shop. And both Bowtex, I had bullet holes easily in less than ten minutes. I mean, it was yeah. just eyeballing it. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, what's it like thirteen sixteenths or seven eighths center shot somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, is typically where you want to be. And, and I'm like, you know, just it's not, it's not rocket science. We'll put it that way. Yeah. For as for, like you were talking earlier about like cam timing and sync or whatever, uh, about the bow wanting to jump out of your hand. I shoot Botex primarily right now, but ever since they came out with that overdrive cam, I can tell when a Botex is out of sync or out of time immediately. Like first draw, I like if it wants to jump at all, it's wrong. <laughs> So like you've you had the BTX or whatever and you've shot other Botex. When those things are timed, like they they sink in that hole. Like even the SR6, like it it drops into that 
the valley, even if it's short, but it's locked. Like for a cable stop bow, that overdrive cam, you can tell immediately if it's off. Hoyts are a little different. They're a little spongy. They're too just, spongy, and that and yeah. it hides, and it will hide. Oh yeah. I mean, if it you're hides. just if you're just bearing it back on, you're not creeping into the back wall, and then yep. go, if you're not on a drawboard, basically, and you're just trying yeah. to do it drawing, you're you're screwing yourself. It's really hard. Yeah. Yeah, you can pull into Hoyts way too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they kind of fixed it a little bit last year. It's a little bit yeah. better back wall, but still. I mean, and, and that's great for guys shooting, you know, back tension and stuff. But I mean, for me personally, I mean, yeah. kind of, but you can also yank your bow out of time or out of oh, sync sure. or whatever. So for sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah. true. Yeah. So um, basically, here's another one is PSC has been killing it with the Evolve cam. If you're going to do a broadhead podcast, talk about the differences in flight between a mechanical and a fixed blade with an untuned and properly tuned bow. I see a ton of subject in the forums and all over Facebook on the pages. Um, spine becoming more prominent issue when shooting a fixed blade head. Also, this would be a great addition to the big broadhead test you guys did last year. Uh, I can answer that one from just a simple-minded aspect. Go ahead. <laughs> if your bow ain't tuned, your broadhead ain't flying. <laughs> and if your cams are timed, they're going to fly better. That's pretty yeah. much what that answer to that question. I mean, <laughs> that's just what it comes down to. Right. Yeah. I, I will say I mean, that really. um, a mechanical hides a ton of tuning issues because there's, there's not much difference between like, especially as far as like surface area and wind resistance and all that, that you'll get from a fixed blade. You don't get that from a mechanical so, at Garrett, all. You were talking much. about, you were talking about earlier about how you have a short jag and a, is it a lark? Just a jag? It's just a, yeah, it? just the regular okay. jagger. Yeah. So I'm actually what I'm doing this year is I actually have an expandable to go from sixty to eighty. Mm -hmm. I'm going to shoot fixed blades, um, just from twenty to sixty in, and and that goes along that same thought process of this, what I interrupted you just now. My bad. No, you're good. And, no, you're good. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and that's my exact same thought process on that because if I have I mean, dude, 60 to 80 yards, it's a long freaking ways to shoot at an animal. Yeah. And, you know, any slight bad form, not leveling the bow exactly, you know, not really going through my shot sequence and just letting her break clean. I need as much forgiveness as I talked about earlier. And yep. now a lot of people are going to say, oh, dude, you're going to shoot an expandable at 80 yards. You're not going to get any penetration at that. No, but I'm probably going to 10 ring that thing because I'm not <laughs> dealing with <laughs> – you know, that's so. That's just where I think. It's starting to sound like Tim Gillingham there a little bit. <laughs> oh, don't say that. <laughs> you just got to put the arrow where you're aiming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I, I mean, like Wes said, ahead. the the fixed blades are going to be less forgiving of any sort of errors at long range. It's just it's the nature of the beast. Um, you know, your bow has to be tuned properly for a fixed blade to fly right. But at the same time, you know, you're doing all your tuning under perfect circumstances. So that's why, you know, a forgiving arrow, especially at long range, like that's why I'll shoot those smaller, smaller broadheads at long range is because it's more forgiving. Um, Main reason just, I didn't shoot the Evo X's last year. Um, yeah. I just didn't have a good enough tune or enough fletching in the back, and I was tired of messing with it. I mean, they would right. they just kept hitting to the right, and my rest was already way on the inside because I was wasn't di dicking around with the shims, and we already thought we moved the shims the right way, and then so 
long story short, uh, my rest was inside, and I was 16th knock high. Yep. And and where, where I'm going with this is even despite me being out of center shot like that, um, and basically my bottom of the shaft was through the bottom of the burger hole, um, I wasn't doing myself any favors, but I was still getting good enough accuracy to shoot 80, 100 yards with a broadhead. Yeah, and it, it didn't have to be perfect, but a lot of that is I had plenty of I did have plenty of fletching in the back. Um, mm-hmm. I just didn't have enough with all that going on to shoot the the Evo X's, and so yep. I just went with the small ones, right. and um, got great flight. I did have a bull this year at a longer range, and I started grabbing my sever, <laughs> and I was like, like uh... I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. <laughs> But, you know, I, I will have one in my quiver again this year just in case I feel so inclined because I've never I've – only, I've only ever killed a turkey with an expandable, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, you've had to you've – you've been able to hunt with expandables longer than we have. I've killed more things with them than without them. Oh, really? But, yeah, I, I don't even know how many deer I've killed with a mechanical, but none of them survived. And, like, you know, lethal podcast whatever we we harp on you know lethal lethality of the arrow but yeah you know and you know we're big foc proponents but it's a byproduct i think that's where a lot of people get lost in the weeds too is that i build my arrow so it's going to survive hitting something i'm not supposed to which is where i get my arrow weight and that's where i get my heavier my higher foc because i use good components I don't nest like I don't build like you know you'll see guys out there like I need twenty five percent FOC. It's like well no you don't because one that's very difficult and two yeah you're you've only been hunting for three years why do you think you need that it's not going to make you any better right and if you're getting that you're sacrificing somewhere those guys are, yeah are fitting yep. five gallons in a in, in a four gallon bucket and, and something spilling out somewhere I mean yep. You're giving up a, a, a brittle yeah. arrow, really light GPI, or there's something's going on, or they're shooting 700 something grains, getting up 25 percent. You know, yeah, and, and then you're giving up your trajectory, and then you're giving up your trajectory, right? And yeah. I think that's the biggest problem with people's against a heavy arrow is is trajectory. They don't want to lose that speed, like they yeah. just they aren't willing to give it up. And from coming down from 280 to 260. After you shoot 260 for a couple months, you don't really miss it that much. It's nope. 20 feet per second, yeah, but, I mean, I, I'm shooting next to guys that are shooting 300 plus, and I can notice a difference there, but yeah. that, that 20 feet per second there, I mean, it doesn't leave a lot to be desired straight up. I no. mean, I'd shoot especially, 260 again if I had to. Especially at you know normal hunting ranges. Like, the farthest I've ever killed anything, I've killed two deer at 65, but and my bow is shooting, one was shooting 280, the other one was shooting... 265 or something but between the two like i they both died it didn't matter like a a deer deer didn't get out of the way so (laughs) i don't know but like for western hunters i understand not wanting to go super heavy because you need that trajectory sometimes like you know you might get a bull come into 60 and if you're you know you practice to 100 120 60 yards is not that's not a far shot like it that's that's money so i get it and you know like i said i stick to a speed range you guys do too um yeah so but if i hunted whitetail i wouldn't give a shit if i shot a 700 grain arrow if i i didn't i wouldn't need it the most i'd shoot i mean i'd probably still shoot a 500 and some grain arrow just because that's what i'm comfortable with that's where i that's what i know but 
I'm not going to, you know, go super light because, you know, try to beat the deer speed wise because that doesn't happen either. You're not going to. <laughs> right. Well, even at, at 25 yards, I've, I've said this a few times just because it's it shocks the hell out of me. I aimed on the bottom right where Brian told me to mm -hmm. and, and uh, 25 yards aimed right on the bottom of the heart. And um, he might have said they maybe aim towards the bottom of the actual belly. But um I spine that deer at 25 yards. Oh, I yeah, dude. Those things those things are cracked low. out. Yo, dude. Yeah. dude. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> You've hunted over there, Wes. Yeah. I mean, when I was when I was there, he told Snyder and Brian, Brian told Brian to aim off the deer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, those things are no joke. 100% understand that now. 100%. Yeah. I mean, there was, deer, yeah. there was a deer at 65, and I'm like, you might as well be three football fields away, dude. I'm not even going <laughs> to think about shooting you. <laughs> Yeah. But I'm sure there's a distance where you can get away with it because they don't, they're not as like, it's like, I don't know, you're far enough away unless they hear it coming. I don't know. I haven't yeah. played around with that yet, but I sure as hell wasn't going to take a 65 yard shot over there on Brian's property. I wasn't, <laughs> wasn't no. going to yeah. do that. I've never had to shoot a whitetail past 30. Like I've just, yeah. I never, never did. There's no reason. Both of these. I've never killed, I've never killed a critter past 55. You haven't? Yeah. No, but I, I, well, actually, bad story i lost i lost <laughs> a deer i lost a deer at one shot i shot and it was just because i didn't take enough off the cut it was a 72 and i shot him four inches high right below the spine above the lungs lost that big buck in the middle of the eagle caps but yeah um but uh i i mean here i am talking about shooting from 60 to 80 and i've never even killed anything at 60. <laughs> you know hey, what man. i mean you want those so options like, though I know, but <laughs> nonetheless, if I want to put a follow-up shot on something or if I'm just like really feeling froggy and I'm about to leap, then I'm going to do it, you know? Yeah. Well, you'll have me there in case, you know, if we meet up over in Eastern Oregon and you want to poke something at 100, just let me know. All right. <laughs> I'll let you know. I I'm dropping hey, bombs this year. <laughs> hey, Garrett, we're in for a track job, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> of saying what Wes just said over saying, you know, what my longest shot is, because to me that just says that you're doing a better job of bow hunting, you know? Yeah. In my, in my opinion. I mean, I, I rely on my shooting is maybe a crutch because I don't either don't take the time or I'm afraid of not getting, getting busted when I try and get closer. So I take yeah. the first available shot yeah. available to me at the time. And I'm not going to pass it up. Why pass up? I don't take a shot unless I'm 100% confident. Yeah. Period. And the animals, and, and I'm confident that the animal's going to do its job and just stand there. Right. So why would I pass up a shot that I'm 100% confident in for a shot that I'm going to be 100% confident in? That, that's a thing that I think people don't understand. Like, if you tell, like, you know, people bitch and moan that I've shot stuff, at, I've shot two deer at 65 yards. Well, they hate me. Yeah. But, like, <clears throat> I, so the one I, completely pinwheeled like just straight through the heart no problems ran 100 yards tipped over hey garrett i'm gonna have to interrupt you sorry yeah. my phone just <laughs> notified me i have two percent okay oh, god. god damn it. we'll wrap this thing up here shortly. I'm my bad that's on me, that's me. <laughs> but garrett what i think you should do or both of you guys should do is post this video that we're talking about and then get questions from this podcast we can and answer then, more questions. And then answer more questions. I really think we should. Yeah. 
the uh, here's the here's the thing. Um, I haven't recorded this whole time. I recorded only audio. Oh well, but I could post it. You can still post the podcast, and we can get more questions. I'm going to post the podcast, but I yeah, mean, yeah. Um, I I didn't I didn't do the audio. Did you guys record anything? I think I allowed no. you recording. Oh, well, sure didn't. Rookie move. <laughs> so I didn't record. But anyways, huh? But we yeah, can go ahead. we can field more questions though. Yeah, no, I mean, just mean like. We don't take long shots if we're not confident that it's going to go our way. Right. Um, yeah. You don't just shoot something to shoot it. For uh, sure. I don't. I don't take a long shot unless you know the animal's calm, looking away. Hopefully, um, I. You know, you just have to. I'm stacking the deck in my favor in that way. But then you know, you watch a bunch of TV hunters and they'll take a. They'll stop a deer, like especially whitetail guys. They'll. Meh, and then stop it. So put the deer on alert. It's staring right up at him in the tree. And then they shoot at it and it either gets out of the way or they hit it someplace where they didn't want to. It's like, well, yeah, that's because you chose to let the deer know that you were there. So now he has the advantage. Like the deer is faster than your arrow is no matter what. Like it's just going to move. Right. Yeah. It just, it doesn't make sense to me, but guys do it. Well, I had a, uh, I had a good time on this one and I'm with Wes. I think I am. Um... I will request more, um, and and actually, guys, what we should do for the next episode is we will do a live call in, where literally mm-hmm. you call in with a question, and you can literally say whatever you want. It'd be like literally like a talk, like a talk show. Yeah. If you guys are down, let's for that. do it. I'd do it. So all I'm right. down. Well, uh, I'll just call this one part one of why aren't my breadheads flying. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, next one will be live, and we'll um, I'll, I'll I'll make sure that you, we're all three on a, on a chat or something. And we'll try and work out another day here very shortly. And, and uh, yeah, and we can do this in. a little bit late. If we do it a little bit later too, I can have all the time in the world, and I'll I'll bring a charger. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, all right, fellas. Well, hey, I appreciate right. your guys' time. We went over. Um, you know, I don't think Zoom counts it as as a meeting unless you actually push record. Oh wow! Look at that life hack hmm. <laughs> so it didn't boot us off at 40 minutes cool but um, all right fellas yeah well we'll catch you guys on the next one appreciate you for both showing up yep yep all right thanks garrett yeah thanks, Garrett. Yep. Yep. Wes, thanks garrett. Wes. see ya <laughs>